someone come. Yeah, there's there. They're dead. It, it killed them. Welcome to Looking Back at Lost, where each week I look at another episode of ABC's Lost and see how it fits into the series as a whole. Today I'll be covering episode 102, entitled Pilot, Part 2. And let me start with a Wikipedia summary of the episode. As Kate, Jack, and Charlie head back to the beach, Kate asks Charlie what he was doing in the bathroom. Charlie says he was being sick, but in a flashback, it is revealed that Charlie has been taking drugs in the bathroom before the plane crashed. He had attempted to flush his stash, but had been prevented by the sudden onset of turbulence. On the island, while looking for his dog Vincent, Walt discovers a pair of handcuffs. After he shows Michael the cuffs, Sawyer attacks Saeed and claims he is a terrorist who blew up the plane. They are soon stopped by Michael and Jack, who had returned from the cockpit. Saeed manages to repair the transceiver, but it does not have a signal and little battery life. While working on it, he reveals to Hurley that he was a communications officer in the Iraqi Republican Guard in the Gulf War. While reading a letter, Sawyer decides to go with Saeed and the group, Kate, Charlie, Shannon, and Boone, to bring the transceiver inland in an attempt to reach higher ground and get a better signal. Along the way, they are attacked by a charging polar bear, which Sawyer shoots and kills. When asked about where he found the gun, Sawyer says he took it from a dead U.S. Marshal. Saeed accuses Sawyer of being the Marshal's prisoner. Kate takes the gun from Sawyer, and Saeed instructs her on how to dismantle it. A flashback shows the final moments of the flight. Kate is talking to the Marshal, the same injured man to whom Jack has been tending on the beach. On the plane, it can be seen that Kate is wearing the handcuffs that Walt found in the jungle. As the turbulence hits, the Marshal is knocked unconscious by a falling suitcase. Kate uncuffs herself and puts the Marshal's oxygen ma mask on him before attaching her own, at which point the tail end of the plane suddenly breaks off and falls away. Back on the beach, the marshal wakes up during the operation and asks Jack, where is she? Inland, Saeed turns on the transceiver, and it has a signal. However, it's being blocked by a transmission in French that has been repeating for over 16 years. Shannon translates it. I'm alone now. On the island alone. Please someone come. The others are dead. It killed them. It killed them all group gives each other meaningful looks before Charlie says, guys, where are we? So with that uh, little summary underway, let's get to the uh, kind of the core of the podcast here, different thoughts and notes. Um, I thought that the episode opened up with a little tidy bit of exposition concerning the trans the transceiver, how it, uh, how it isn't working. Um, certainly, I think that they were uh, kind of aware that, you know, for the viewers, a week has gone by. Uh, in between the first part of the episode and this part. Um, so, you know, it's a little bit of, of exposition to get everyone caught up. But for me, it kind of was this moment of, you know, dear writers, your plot is showing. We can kind of see your your writer hand there. But, oh, well. Um, I also noticed, too, in the Charlie flashback, there's no whoosh. Um, this continues for a number of episodes in the first season. I think they're still kind of, uh, you know, getting down their their particular system or whatnot. Um, 
That said, in in his flashback, uh, there's a good use of other cast members in the background, almost as extras, uh, such as Shannon and Boone, uh, being uh, seen in the background when Charlie is making his way uh, through the cabin to the front of the plane. Um, just you know, nice little touch, certainly uh, indicative of the uh, the kind of uh, work ethic and continuity uh, effort that uh, the show uh, you know was was looking to achieve. Um, after the first commercial break, there's a lovely lingering shot of Shannon sunbathing. It's not only nice to see, but it actually does serve a dramatic purpose, specifically that Shannon is lazy. Um, then she has this seemingly organic, natural conversation with Claire about Boone's relationship to her, brother and sister, as well as a little bit about uh, Claire's baby. Um, you know, kind of contrasted to the very first scene where it's you know, we're going to have a conversation. That's a quick little summary of what's going on. This particular scene, it's exposition done right. It's informing the audience about what's going on, but doing it in this kind of natural, simple way that doesn't kind of come across as, um, you know, as the hand of the writer. Um, we also uh, get to see more of Sun and Jin. And uh, it's really amazing. I mean, considering where they end up in the show, that that heartbreaking death that they share together to be together right at the end of season six uh drowning the ship it's amazing to think that every single person who watched the the show when it started whether you're watching it on you know streaming or dvd or you know watched it when it uh, was originally broadcast in 2004 everyone wanted Jin dead as soon as possible preferably by way of the monster you know pulling him and ripping him up into a thousand pieces he was the character that we hated and you know, certainly quite a bit of uh, character growth, uh, you know, when we, uh, over the course of the six seasons. There's also in this episode the slightest little whiff of the start of a Michael, Sun, Jin love triangle. It gets explored a little bit more in the future, of course, but I, I wonder why they didn't take it further. I mean, I don't know, maybe it would seem too hokey, maybe, I, I don't know, but certainly you kind of get the feeling that there's a little something in the air here. They do a little bit more with it in future episodes, but it's kind of not. I don't know. They don't. They don't. They don't quite go anywhere with it. Um, in retrospect, I wonder if the producers kind of tired of the Michael character. You know, again, it's worth remembering that you know the show was put this you know pilot episode, the, the two pilot episodes together. They were put together extremely, extremely fast, and I think the the number is eleven weeks from initial con you know initial concept to shooting the pilot episode so a lot of these characters it, you know it wasn't necessarily that they had an uh, an eye on well if we make it six seasons here's where you're gonna end up it was just a direction to the show and some interesting characters that would make um you know that would make the people on the show uh watchable so i wonder if they tired of his character as it went on he starts out uh, michael does such an earnest character and, you know, by season two, season three, he's a stooge, a murderer, a tool. And then, you know, ultimately, um, you know, in, in season six, when he makes his last appearance, he's this trapped ghost. He has the proverbial blood on his hands and he's unable to, to leave the island and just kind of stuck there because of his sins. Probably didn't help that the actor badmouthed his return in season four, wondering why, you know, kind of what use it was. Um, and also, I know, had some rather verbal speculations about how the show was killing off people of color. So, you know, certainly never helps the long-term interests of a 
of a character, but who's to know, I suppose. Um, there's also more in this episode of Hurley as the Nurturer. It's something that I'm certainly interested in uh, in looking at in the podcast is you know the the bits and pieces that we know at the end how how early back can we see some some indication of that specifically you know the season six business who is uh who's going to be the new jacob who's going to protect the island and hurley ultimately getting that you know as a long-term position we see seeds of this in my opinion all the way back in this episode hurley as the nurturer he tries to calm the saeed and sawyer fight by reminding everyone just to be nice to each other. And he tells Saeed that he thinks he's okay. You know, it kind of comes off as, oh, it's sweet, but there's this nurturing background to him. Uh, their conversation also, if you get back to kind of the, the notion of exposition and, and writers sharing information, um, the Saeed-Hurley conversation organically produces the fact that Saeed is an Iraqi who fought the Republican Guard. Um it just comes off as natural, not as a checklist of information to share. I wonder, too, how, you know, I, I spoke in the previous podcast about to what degree the show is informed, either consciously or unconsciously, as having some kind of comment in the post-9-11 world. Um, you know, obviously this disaster involving a plane crash. Here we have an Iraqi, you know, not that we need to get into... The, the non-link between, uh, you know, Iraq and 9-11, but, you know, certainly we kind of have, asp you know, I mean, we have this Iraqi citizen, somebody who in, in episode 102 here, we're not entirely sure you know, about anybody, but he's coming across as helpful and, um, you know, intelligent and involved with the group and that sort of thing. So, you know, I mean, ultimately... The show is not um, never reaches a point that it's just a simple one for one analogy of uh, of, uh, of of our world of nine eleven etc. But uh, I just can't help but feel that it, it is just slightly informed by that world. So now to kind of go from this you know heady examination of the show as uh, you know existing in a post nine eleven uh, era and how it's uh, reflective of its times. Um, the next scene is Kate removing her clothing and bathing. As nice as that was to see, and certainly I remember that, you know, clips from that scene endlessly appearing in commercials and promos for the show. I mean, the fall of 2004, it was just the shot of her, you know, in the close-up, the medium shot, the long shot of her, you know, in brawn panties with the, the surf uh, breaking uh, behind her. That's all well and good. I'm just not quite sure what dramatic purpose that scene serves. You know, I mean, it's, I don't know. Fine, she needs a moment alone to stand there and bathe. You know, it just kind of seems a little, a little gimmicky. And even, you know, as a huge fan of the show and all these years later and whatnot, I don't understand the purpose of it. Maybe it's just, you know, have to have a, a bathing suit shot, quote-unquote bathing suit shot, just to help pay the bills or to help sell it to the the, um, the suits at ABC. You know, I don't quite know. Um, moving on, this episode also continues a trend uh, from the previous one of hiding the show's hands, or the show's hand, in terms of Kate's relationship to the marshal. They're, you know, they're 
you look back, there are these moments of, uh, you know, Kate looking nervous about this wounded person or, you know, being very inquisitive. She's the only one who asks about the wounded uh, survivor. Um, it just kind of comes off as a normal update to the audience. But, you know, later we know, of course, that she's probably hopeful that he's going to die. Um, or certainly that she knows that his living is going to be, uh, you know, complicating her situation on the island. Um I'm struck, too, about how this episode and so many from the first season rely on the mystery of who are these people. It's an aspect that, almost in retrospect, has not aged wonderfully. I'm looking forward on this podcast to talking about The Hatch, Desmond, Dharma, Electromagnetism, Ben, Smokey, New Otherton, Juliet, Charlotte, you know, uh, The Bomb, etc., etc., the flashback to the 70s. Instead... We see Michael offering to buy Walt a new dog because they, you know, because Michael assumes the old dog is dead. It worked so well in the first season when you, you know, I mean, because these are great characters. They're interesting, you know, knowing more about them uh, is such a key part of the, the first season because there's not tons of mythology. I mean, they, they don't, they obviously don't quite know where they're uh, going long term. They don't know how long the show is going to be on, if it's going to be a success, etc., um, and I'm just kind of sitting here going, okay, great, Michael, construction, car crash, you know, not involved in Walt's life. Let's get some good stuff here. Say la vie, I suppose. It's certainly, you know, as I say, it just kind of hasn't aged very wonderfully because I want to get to the mythology, the interesting stuff, the, the, the razzmatazz uh, of what we remember most from the series as a whole. But, oh, well. Um, a bit more interestingly, this episode does start to really plant seeds that only come to fruition later. It's some of these long-term plants. An example of this is Sawyer's letter to the real Mr. Sawyer. He reads it here in Pilot Part 2, and there's just this you know, wonderfully pained look on his face. Um, but it's not something that they follow up in the next episode or something that they follow up you know, in the next scene or that sort of thing. It's one of those lost moments where the audience either remembers it for later on to have that fuller experience or you forget it and it'll be picked up in uh, in later episodes. Um, we also get, I mean, what to me is this rather iconic moment, um, we kind of get a little hint as well, speaking of planting seeds that come to fruition later, we get you know a little hint of the big picture from Locke's discussion with Walt and uh, let's listen to a clip about it. Backgammon's the oldest game in the world. Archaeologists found sets when they excavated the ruins of ancient Mesopotamia. 5,000 years old. That's older than Jesus Christ. Did they have dice and stuff? But theirs weren't made of plastic. Their dice were made of bones. Oh. Two players. Two sides. One is light. One is dark. So obviously there, you know, the imagery of uh, light for good and, and dark for bad, um, you know, setting up some of these long-term things. Also, of course, you know, looking uh, way to the end of the series, uh, the, the backgammon set, these black and white stones, we see, uh, you know, we see either the, the same stones or I think it's just very similar stones, um, uh, you know, belonging to Jacob and his twin brother, the, the game that they used to play. And, um, you know, it's just kind of, it's setting up 
it, I think it's their way of signaling, you know, if you if you haven't figured it out already that this is going to be more than, you know, Survivor the TV series uh, or, you know, Survivor the drama, that we're looking at something bigger here and we're looking for it to be about something bigger. And they're kind of trying to set the stakes a little bit by saying this is going to be about good and evil, not just about, you know, people uh, getting along or some kind of uh, more artificial um, construct, you know, it's going to be about some larger, uh, you know, fictional uh, comment on society that the show has uh, has high aspirations. Um, from this episode as well, we also get the first giant strange mystery in the form of the polar bear. Um, I know that it's continued to be the example of strange things, uh, even down to the the recent Carlton Cuse article that uh, that he wrote for the New York Times. Uh, recent being January 2011, um, he claimed running, uh, or he tells a story where somebody claimed, uh, I think while he was out in uh, somewhere in Europe, backpacking in Europe, hiking in Europe, ran into somebody who claimed that the show didn't answer the mystery of the polar bear. It did. Simple as that. Yeah, it's a really strange, um, strange mystery initially, uh, you know, which is confusing people. And in fact, before I say anything more about it, why don't we um, take a look, take a listen to a little clip about it. That can't be a polar bear. It's, it's a polar, polar bear. bear. Wait a minute. Polar bears don't usually live in the jungle. Spot on. No, polar bears don't live near this far, sir. This one does. Did. It did. Where did that come from? Probably Bear Village. How the hell do I know? About the bear with the gun. First of all, one thing that I love from that clip is, you know, here Sawyer is just kind of flippantly saying, you know, Bear Village. Well, Looking back, he's right. I mean, that's one way to. I mean, to look at the uh, the answer to you know where has this uh, you know what's the deal with the polar bear that some people still claim hasn't been answered. You know, it has been answered. There were the Dharma experiments with the bears, including the holding cells that we see on Hydra Island in season three. You know, first half of season three. Heck, you know Sawyer who shoots the polar bear is you know ends up in that bear cage. Um, and, you know, to me, uh, Sawyer's line of, you know, they probably came from Bear Village, that's kind of one way to look at it when you have a whole bunch of bears uh, caged up uh, for the Dharma experiments. And, you know, it's like he's he's closer than um, we back in 2004 would have thought. Um, and darn it, don't claim that they didn't answer the business about the polar bears because they did. And um, I think, too, what's kind of so... Um, daring watching the polar bear scene is that up until that point there really hasn't been that much um that you know there really haven't been many twists and turns i mean yes there's been the monster but to say you know okay there's a mystery out there you know i mean you as the audience member you fill in whatever your mystery might be whatever that thing is making the noise you don't see anything you know it's dinosaur, it's the, you know, whatever it might be, you kind of insert your own thing. But to definitively have a scene where a polar bear, which is most definitely a polar bear and is most definitely out of place, appears, um, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's a gutsy move for the show to kind of be staking out this claim to say, you know, we're going to be doing unusual things here. You know, at, when you're initially watching it, you're hoping that there's going to be some kind of payoff. And it's not crazy for, for crazy sake, you know, a la heroes, you, you the, the TV show Heroes had this wonderful first season, but ultimately no plan. You know, 
the the hope was watching pilot part two that there was a a plan to the show and all this wasn't crazy just for the sake of craziness um you know but um i don't know to me i really really enjoy that bear scene um the episode also has done a great job of hiding kind of you know shifting subjects here the episode has done a great job of hiding the marshal's face while he's been on the island um so when you finally see, you know, wounded guy and relating it to um, to the fact that it is the marshal and that whole kind of uh, confluence of events where you're understanding um, who the marshal is, who what his relationship is to Kate, what it means that she is, you know, the, that she's the fugitive. Um, it's you know, it's a it's a n- nicely done kind of um, shell game where you're not revealing all the facts until you're uh, completely ready for it. Um, also with that, you know, flashback scene with Kate and the Marshal on the plane, the effect of the tail section breaking away is spectacular. It's just wonderful. It's, you know, it's, it, it makes you kind of, you know, you feel, uh, like you're getting shaken around as well. It's just, you know, an absolutely wonderful effect. Perhaps one of the most memorable effects from the entire series. And as that tail section broke off, I just kind of couldn't help but thinking to myself, you know, Echo, Anna Lucia, Bernard, we'll see you next season, guys. Adios, off you know, off you go. Then of course there's the uh, there's the final scene where uh, Shannon translated Rousseau's message with the uh, the clip that I used to uh, to kick off the podcast, um, and then the this kind of you know double episode pilot episode really starts to wrap up with um, this kind of new central mystery of. Uh, the island, where are they? And uh, it's really encapsulated well in the following clip. 16 years. What? 16 years. And five months, that's the count. What the hell are you talking about? The iterations. It's a distress call. Plea for help, a mayday. If the count is right, it's been playing over and over for 16 years someone else stranded here maybe they came for them someone came why is it still playing Fantastic, fantastic uh, end to the episode. You know, I mean, obviously that 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 question that Charlie asks at the end, "Where are we?" You know, in a lot of ways, that's uh, that's a question that the show then spends the rest of the series looking to answer. You know, what is this island? The mythology behind the island that um, you know is explored. Whether you go back to Rousseau, you go back before that to Dharma. Uh, go back even further to uh, Widmore and the army on the island, um, you know, then even much farther back to, uh, you know, to Jacob, to, uh, to uh, you know, the, the, the origin of the Jacob story with uh, the mother landing there. Um, and, uh, you know, which I, I, by my recollection, was 2,000 years ago. So it's such a, such a central um, question. It's kind of, you know, 
there's this, uh, you know, there's a thing in drama where uh, you set up the problem and then go around solving the problem. Once the problem is solved, you the story's all but over. And that question, the problem behind that question, is something that uh, you know the series involves itself with, you know, to for, for the end of the, you know, the through the entire series. Anyway, it's just a, you know it's a wonderful way to end the piled episode to kind of communicate to the audience you know this is what what lost can be uh this is our our vision moving forward um and with that i'll move on to my final segment lostpedia says uh in which uh, i check out lostpedia the uh just the fantastic lost wiki um i check uh, lostpedia for anything that um well anything that i didn't catch while uh while watching the episode again and uh there's three little bits of information, bits of trivia that I'd like to uh, to highlight. One is that Sawyer can be heard using a non-Southern accent in some, in some scenes. Uh, Josh Holloway masked his Southern accent while filming the pilot. It wasn't until J.J. Abrams expl- explained a couple weeks into shooting that Josh Holloway was hired for his Southern accent um, that the actor stopped kind of masking the fact, that, you know, stopped hiding it. Um, and then some of these scenes of him hiding the accent have been left in the episode. So, certainly interesting enough. Um, there's also a little tidbit that when Saeed and Sawyer are fighting, Saeed says, Ibn al-Kab to Sawyer. And apparently that is Arabic for son of a dog. And last but not least, I thought this was a little bit of strange trivia. Charlie's shoe is a Vans classic checkerboard slip-on uh, and a size 8 and made in Japan. So, kind of, kind of small feet if... Uh, I do say so myself. And uh, with that, we basically have episode 102, pilot part two, in the bag. Next week, um, I will be doing uh, episode 103, Tabula Rasa, a Kate-centric episode. So I hope that you uh, have uh, prepared yourself and reviewed the episode. And certainly, uh, I would love it for uh, people to join the conversation, to be sharing their thoughts, not only about the podcast, but about these episodes as we go through them. You can uh, say hi to me on Twitter, where I can be found as Looking Back Lost. You can send an email to Looking Back at Lost, all spelled out, all one word, Looking Back at Lost at gmail.com. And uh, if you have an iPhone or iPod Touch, you can record a message with the voice recorder and email it. Again, that's Looking Back at Lost at gmail.com. And you can check out the webpage, Looking Back at Lost.podbean.com. And last but not least, you can find us on iTunes. Give a little review, subscribe, etc. So, thank you very much for listening. It is always uh, fun going back with you and uh, exploring the world of Lost yet again. So, uh, thank you very much for listening and take care. Bye bye. Wait a minute. Polar bears don't usually move in the jungle. Spawn. Oh, <laughs>